We're faced with the choice to do right or wrong every day. Next on Abounding Grace, see the importance of living right in a world that's wrong. It's important that we're reminded to make wise decisions because the culmination of our life as it stands today is a result of all the decisions we've made to this point. And it's never too late to change your mind to follow God. It's never too late to make different decisions. You're like, well, Ed, I'm here today for a series of bad decisions. Well, today's the day you choose to make good decisions, to honor God with your life. This is amazing grace. It is one thing to be faithful to the Lord when things are going great, but what about when the heat is on and your very own life is threatened if you do? Today on Abounding Grace, we're encouraged in the direction of faithfulness to God and living right in a world that's wrong. We'll see what that looks like in the life of Daniel. He was told not to pray and that if he did, he'd be thrown into a den of lions. Well, that didn't deter Daniel, but God would be faithful too in response. Pastor Ed Taylor shares these observations from Daniel chapter 6. Notice now verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. You want that on your review at work, don't you? That's just what do they say. You're completely trustworthy, always responsible, and faithful. And notice, this was not in his relationship with God. This was in his governmental affairs. This was his job. They were looking for a fault in the way he handled his job. How important it is that we learn that whatever we do in word or deed, we do it as unto the Lord. We don't do it as under our supervisor or under our boss or under our vice president or under the corporation or the stockholders or whatever they're telling you in your meetings. We're not doing it because the customer is always right. We're not doing it to build our business or to make a lot of money. Whatever we do, believers, in word or deed, we're to do it as unto the Lord. And that's a higher standard, not a lesser standard. That's the higher standard except that sometimes it's mistaken for a lower standard because you don't experience consequences right away with the Lord. With your job, I remember in the positions I held before I got into management, every single move I made was watched by the company. I plugged into a computer and I, all my keystrokes, everything, what time I did something, what time I didn't do something. If I made a mistake, they could go back into the computer. If I said something wrong, every word I said was taped. Of all the conversations, you're working in the 911 business, they tape everything. Everything I did all day, what time I showed up, what time I left, what time I took a break, what time I got back, what time of lunch, everything I did was watched. And that's how they handle things. And so sometimes people develop a habit to, they, they work for the clock, 
You ever work with anyone that is known as a clock watcher? <laughs> a clock watcher. And that's the, whatever you do in word or deed, do unto the clock. That's not what the Bible says. Or the computer reports that got spit out every week and I had to answer for all the, all the things that I did and my numbers and my percentages and all that. Whatever you do in word or deed, do unto the reports. No, it's to the Lord. But because you don't get a judgment so quickly when you kind of interpret what you think the Lord wants you to do. Like if you ever had a job where you had to be on time and clock in, do you think God has a lower standard than that? Oh, just come in whenever you want. Call it ministry. Take an extra break in the break room while I'm sharing the gospel on whose time you've been in there for an hour. Yeah, but I'm doing the Lord's work. Really? Do you think as unto the Lord means you would take from your employer? That you would take literally their money? Do you think God is that weak that he can't use you in five minutes to develop a relationship that you could take after work? Whatever you do, do it under the Lord. And if you choose not to do it under the Lord, you'll find a testimony that's different than Daniel's. You won't be known as the one that proved yourself more capable. You won't be the one that as people are beginning to search for fault, they're going to find him. It's going to be obvious. For them, they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. But what's interesting to me is that there's a group of people that bind together, they bound themselves together to find a fault in a man, in a man of God. They literally set out to find something wrong. It's almost like they, you know, hired a, today we would look at that and go, maybe they hired a private investigator, digging through your trash, checking your logs with Comcast because they got a friend there, checking the internet logs with Quest and what they have there or CenturyLink and, and finding that, man, information, maybe finding your phone, you left it on one of the chairs and they were able to open it up and go, oh, wow, look what this brother's been doing. Look what he's been involved in digging through the trash, sending spies. However they were looking in Daniel's life, they did a deep, deep look and they came up empty and they couldn't find anything. You want to know why they couldn't find anything? Because there was nothing to find. <laughs> Isn't that great? They couldn't find anything because there was nothing to find. You know the Bible has a phrase for that. Would you turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3? I want to spend some time reaffirming what the Bible teaches us about being above reproach. Would you turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3? In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul the Apostle is teaching young Timothy how to find leaders in the church. What are the principal characteristics? And, and you'll notice that the things that he mentions in chapter 3, which we won't look at, I encourage you to read it later in its entirety, the things that he mentions are not skills in more than they are character traits. Because God uses a man or a woman with deep character. A character that's committed to the Lord. A character that reflects God. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, some of you might remember that phrase as bishop. And the word is overseer. If a per someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position or a good work. It's a good thing to want that position of leadership. So notice verse 2. So a church leader must be a man whose life is 
above reproach. Above reproach. These are key areas for the person that wants to lead in God's church, this church leader, this person that takes an oversight or an overseeing position in God's church. It could be a position of elder. It could be the position of pastor. It could be the position of home Bible study leader, Sunday school teacher. You'll find this position of church leader translates well in leadership in the world. These are characteristics that would be good on any job in any place. That you take a position of leading people, what, to Jesus, overseeing their souls. If you desire this, it's an honorable position. And it's a good work. It requires work. It's a good thing to oversee the ministry. It's a good thing to take a position of leadership. It's a good thing to want to grow and help others grow in Jesus. And it's an awesome thing to be used by God. But be careful, because those of you that desire to serve in deeper capacities might consider it just a position or just a title. And it's not just an honorable position, but rather it's a good work. It's not, you're not desiring a good salary. You're not desiring a good retirement plan or good benefits or a corner office. It's not a profession serving in God's church. It's a place of ministry or service. Let's hold your place in Timothy. Turn over to 2 Corinthians now, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Lest we be confused of what is involved in serving God's people, or what's involved like in Daniel's life. Daniel, a man who has an, a stellar reputation. He has a lifetime of exemplary service. That His life is so above reproach, so beyond accusation, that when they look for things in his life, they find nothing to criticize or condemn. That ministry will not be easy. Would you pick up with me in verse 16. And let's see a list of, at least from Paul's perspective, what ministry, what oversight, what leadership, what service meant to him. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16, he says, again, I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this, but, but even if I do, if you do, listen to me, as you would to a foolish person, while I also boast a little, such boasting's not from the Lord, but I'm acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you and takes everything from you, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times, verse 24, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. 
I faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without feeling that, weak, my feeling that weakness? And who's led astray that I don't burn with anger? If I must boast, I'd rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. That God the Father of our Lord Jesus, who's worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Eridus kept guards at the city gates to catch me. And I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in a city wall to escape from him. Paul being attacked by these false teachers and being accused of many things because of his love for the church laid out a list of, have you forgotten what I've gone through for the gospel? Have you forgotten the price that I've paid to follow Jesus? We don't happen to live in a culture that values sacrifice. We don't happen to live in a culture that values self-sacrifice. It's always give and take. If I give, I want something back in return. But the way of the Lord is different. Remember, Jesus said, you know how the world leads, but it won't be that way among you. Because the place of leadership is the place of service and commitment and in many, many ways, pain. Be careful, those that desire to serve, that desire to follow God with all your heart. Your testimony one day, one way or the other, is going to bring about this test of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. And that is, is your life above reproach? In another translation, it speaks of blameless. Is your life blameless? Now, as we listen to that in the English, we're like, forget about it. None of us can leave because none of us are blameless. And certainly the word isn't reflecting and, in, and insinuating in any way that anyone that serves is perfect, that anyone who serves will be perfect, hasn't made a mistake or two or three, hasn't said something they regret. The idea of the list is not to disqualify, but to qualify, to become a prayer list in your life. We all know that we're not blameless, but here's the phrase, this above reproach, blamelessness. Here's the intent. This is something to take to heart that we see in Daniel's life. And I quote, this is what it literally means, that there's nothing that you are holding on to in your life that you know is absolutely wrong and refuse to deal with it through repentance. Another idea of blameless is that when accusations come, and they will, be sure of it, that they won't stick because of the manner of your life. That anything that would stick would have to be outright lies. And you go, wait a minute, Ed. Do you think people will lie about me? Remember in the life of Jesus, the perfect man, God in human flesh, they literally hired people to lie about Jesus. They took his words and twisted them. And one of the most difficult parts of serving people is how people will treat you, some of them how they'll bring accusations in your life. But a life that's above reproach is that when accusations come, nothing will stick to you. They'll come. And a man that can't deal with his own sin 
is disqualified in dealing with and ministering to men with sin in their lives. If you're incapable of dealing with the sin in your own life, which we all have, you're incapable of being honest and open and repentant about the things. And remember, repentance is a turning away from your sin. It's a growing. It's a progress. It's growing in Christ-likeness. It's cooperating in obedience with the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your life. A man that's unable to deal with his own sin has in a place of disqualification of dealing with the sin of others. And today it's important that we're reminded, come back to Daniel with me, it's important that we're reminded to make wise decisions because the culmination of our life as it stands today is a result of all the decisions we've made to this point. And it's never too late to change your mind to follow God. It's never too late to make different decisions. You're like, well, Ed, I'm here today for a series of bad decisions. Well, today's the day you choose to make good decisions, to honor God with your life. To know that you're, like, like you're just, like you aren't fooling anybody by holding on to sin in your life. Well, Ed, you don't know. Well, you're not fooling me because I'm not the one to fool. You're fooling yourself. Your life, like, isn't, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it as unto Ed. No, it doesn't say that. So you're not fooling me. If you've stopped at me, you're in the wrong place. No, it's what you do is unto the Lord. Not, not some low-level place where you go, well, I'm okay and I've got it all arranged and, and nobody's found out. And mark this word. Nobody's found out yet. Because the Bible's clear, nothing hidden that won't be revealed, won't be shouted to the rooftops. That's an above reproach. Not a perfect life. Not a life without failure. Not a life without mistakes. Of course, we all are frail, weak human beings. But a life that when accusation comes like Daniel, that you have the same testimony that Daniel has. They couldn't find anything. I love that. I love that. I, I, I always like to take the Bible and filter it through my life. And once again, as we're getting nostalgic about how many years I've been here, I, I've been here long enough to face a lot of accusations in my life. And with the invention of social media, there's the invention of new accusations and weirdness and guys sitting in their basement making videos about all kinds of accusations. But praise God for the integrity of his Holy Spirit in my life. That I don't stand here as a perfect man, but I believe at this point in my life, this moment right now, my life is above reproach. It's a good place to, that, that sense of blamelessness, not perfection, but blamelessness is a good pillow to rest your head on at night and go, oh Lord, they're saying this and they said this. And they're, you know, sometimes the difficulty of accusations actually isn't the accusation. It's when people you know believe them without coming to talk to you or people that believe them. Anybody been on the other end of accusations or is it just Ed Taylor here? Anybody? Isn't it a bummer when people believe them and they never talk to you? Oh, I heard this about you. Bro, like you were with me when that happened. You know that didn't happen. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it was a great video on YouTube. And it's like, what? And that's a painful thing. That's part, of the per that's part of the issue. Like, Daniel's not in church. Daniel's not in church. He's just living life. Faithful to where God placed him. Faithful unto the Lord where God placed him. And he's got his critics. And he's got his snoopers. 
And he's got his people digging through his trash and trying to find something about how he handles his life. And he couldn't find anything. I love that. You just mark that in verse 4. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Let me pause here as we wind down. That doesn't mean they didn't try. They did try. They did attempt. They aren't going to end here with the point where they couldn't find it. God's testimony of him at the end of verse 4 was, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That's above reproach. Above reproach is he is faithful, he is always responsible, and completely trustworthy. And so there concluded verse 5, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Now they get nasty. Notice verse 6. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. You know what they're doing? They're buttering their bread. They're buttering him up for the kill. Verse 7. We are all in agreement. Is that true? Yes or no? Yes or no? Are we all in agreement? No, they can't be because Daniel's not there. So they're not, it's not even speaking the truth. They're not all in agreement. Daniel's not there. Now, I guess you can make a point where maybe the guys that are criticizing, but that's not how they're presenting it to the king. They're presenting it to the king as if, hey, everyone, even Daniel knows he's failing in this area. So check this out. It says, we are all in agreement, administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone... Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions because we really want to take down Daniel. That's what we're doing. No, it doesn't say that. So we're all in agreement. Daniel's not there. But he, we're all in agreement. All of us think this. You should be God for 30 days. That's basically what they're telling him. You have the authority to declare that you're God for 30 days and nobody can pray to anything or anyone but you. And now, verse 8, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. And so King Darius signed the law. The governmental system of the Medes and the Persians was different than the Babylonian system. The Babylonian system was an absolute monarchy so that the king, like Nebuchadnezzar, could make a decision and change it arbitrarily. But as we'll see and explain a little more next time, with the weakness of Darius, once he makes a decision, you'll see, read ahead, as we get to in the next part of the chapter, he couldn't revoke it. And he was bound by it, even after he found out that Daniel wasn't a part of it. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Daniel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Max Lucado called In the Grip of Grace. The message of the world is try harder and work smarter. You've got it in you. You can do it. But the message of the Bible is something entirely different. In essence, we're told stop striving and being self-sufficient, but rather land in the arms of a God who loves you and be refreshed by His grace. Dive deep into the riches of God's grace as you read In the Grip of Grace. 
And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. We want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses too. And that's our prayer. It's our heart's desire. If you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we would sure appreciate it. This would be a good time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Ed Taylor is the pastor at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and we invite you to join us online for a service. Whether you live hundreds of miles away, you're out of town on vacation, or sick and can't leave your home, the live stream is always there for you. Go online to calvaryco.church. Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. There's a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Again, we're at calvaryco.church. And then look for online campus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But come back next time when Pastor Ed Taylor will resume our series in Daniel on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.